You're listening to Long Short Radio, brought to you by Landshark Education. We're taking you behind the scenes of real traders and entrepreneurs from around the world, talking all things money and markets. All right, so welcome back, everybody, to episode two of the Long Short Show. We're back with Coach Sean Bondawat. This is our second take on our show. We did the first one. We talked to ourselves for about 10 minutes, and we forgot to hit record. So uh, today's show, for those of you tuning into the, the podcast, we had a lot of good feedback from the last ones. Uh, its topic is going to be, hypothetically, if we had $5,000, how would you invest that? If I was to say, hey, look, here's five grand, create a business. What could you do to make money off that 5000 so I guess we're going to take turns. We're going to go back and forth and talk about what I would do, what he would do, uh, and go through that. Does that work? That sounds great. Excellent. So, I mean, do you want me to start? Yeah, go ahead and uh, kick it off. All right. So I'm going to go back. We talked about it. We first tried to record this, but I'll go over it and, and discuss it. I think right now, if you're like, here's $5,000. What would I do? It would probably be an online business of sorts. It wouldn't be an Amazon business. I think that's too saturated. I think that's been pitched too much. I think there's been too many people trying to tell people this is how you start an Amazon business. I think it was I think it was easier two or three or four years ago. I think that trend is ending. I wouldn't sell stuff on Amazon. I would probably there's a few ideas that but number one to be a service-based business. I'm gonna say that because I've done that. So for those of you who don't know, you know Sean is one of the first or second companies I started was a company called Print Productions. We were a printing company. And I was like a freshman or sophomore year of college. I was doing this on the side, by the way. Pretty amazing. I mean, you were like, what were you, 20? 20. Or, yeah. 20 years old. So, and so we brokered it. So what was the startup? The startup cost is domain. And I had a little executive suite. There was like $250 a month. I remember being there. Yeah. Yeah. Which is cool because I got to, and I'll explain that in a second, how that helped out with business. Um, and that was pretty much it. I mean, that was my startup cost. So the, the, that's probably what I would do again is try to figure out a service-based business. And I'll explain this. When I started that company with $5,000 and I'll walk you guys through this, I had to get graphic designers. At first I was paying people, you know, there was a, there's sites overseas I could pay. What I ended up doing was just using the ASU, the university network. And I got students out of the design program. And they started designing for me. So it was a trade. They, they were able to design and discuss, or, and, or not discuss, but design products and put it on the resume, rather. And I paid them a, a lower rate than, you know, was typical. So I learned a lot that way. And I was working with people, you know, my age group. It gave them a job. Uh, we had a job. And we just started networking. The, the way I got business, and I'll explain this for those people trying to bootstrap businesses, is I gave something away so that I could get the business back from them. Right. I think that's important too. What did you call loss leader? Yeah. Could you go into a little more detail on how you did that? I think I gave something away. So what I did was everybody has business cards, regardless of what everybody says these days, you don't need it. Everybody still has a business card regardless. So what I did was, and this is, you guys have to understand this is 11 years ago now. I had business cards and I, I put ads on Craigslist and everywhere. And I said, look, I'll give you 500 free business cards. All you have to do is pay for shipping. Right. Shipping was like fifteen or eighteen dollars, and the cost of the business cards shipped here from Los Angeles to or Los Angeles to Phoenix was like thirteen dollars. Right. So I basically, I think I lost five dollars a set or lost six dollars. Regardless, so many people took me up on that offer. That's a, that's 
Very smart. And after that, they would buy buy more stuff, and they became my clients. One of the things I think you got to keep in mind too: eleven years ago, social media was in its infancy. Right, LinkedIn didn't even exist. Yeah, and a lot of these other ways that people uh, network and and build relationships online just weren't there. So I think I think business cards are still important, but they were even more important then. Yeah, it's crazy to think that was eleven right. years ago. Yeah, honestly. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, none of that stuff was as prevalent as it is today. Right. So what I did do, and I'll explain this to a lot of people, is for if you're listening to this and you're starting a business, I'm going to save you advice because not not to to fast forward too much, but I do want to give advice to this is I would stay away from these networking groups. I will tell you that was the biggest waste of time when I was starting in the business world. I mean, literally, it was seriously, it, it was the worst idea. I, I, I like did like these, uh, they're like, oh, you should go to these business networking groups. It was seriously the biggest waste of time because this is what it was. You'd meet somebody else who was trying to get business. So you'd talk to them about yours and like, they weren't listening. They were just right. ready to talk to you. Everybody at those events, all they care about is just hearing them themselves speak. Yeah. And how they can somehow benefit from somebody else. Yeah. But I, I agree with you. Every single thing, every single networking event I've been to has been a waste of time. Waste of time. Huge, huge waste of time. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, the biggest thing for me was I would say if I was doing this again, if I was starting a service-based business, I would go to friends and family first to start and I would give something away. I'd work. And that's just, I think this is, I don't know if it's widely known, but that's what I did. Um, and I'll make it known. I'm not like treating my own horn on this. Yeah, I didn't. You didn't have like, I don't necessarily agree with Ty Lopez stuff or any of these internet guys much, but we didn't have like a guideline to this. You just kind of had to figure it out. Today, there's so many of these podcasts, so many YouTubers. I mean, we'll talk about trading later in the show today, but everybody today seems to be like a business expert, expert guru, right? You know, so I think that's interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, so if that's how I would do it. If I had $5,000, I'd start a service-based business. Um, one of the other things too I would consider um, is I think even again going back to Ty Lopez to talk about it a little bit on this. He had this business startup idea. Of course, they were pitching where they were like, "Look, you should go after people for their social media and have them pay you, or they'll pay you to run your social media." I look, I agree with that, right? Because even I understand social media. I just don't want to do it. I don't want to update Instagram or Twitter or do this stuff. I just I have no desire to. That's a good business to start as a second business. Right? One of our friends, we both know him. I won't talk about him on air, but I think he pays his social media girl like $700 a month. Wow. I mean, that's 700 And what she's literally got to post on Instagram, two posts a day or two or three, at least three or four posts. Yeah, I would imagine the margins are excellent. What means it's your time. Right. There's no product. Right. You got to create an entity for yep. tax purposes. Big deal. And you've got to post. Like, that's your entirety yep. of your job. So, yeah, that's where I would start it. I mean, obviously, I'll talk about investing and trading where I would do it. That's if I really had five thousand dollars, like this is what I would do at this point in the game. I just I, I trade the markets, but I'll talk about that. So yeah, I mean, what would you do? Well, I definitely would steer away from a product business, right? Because product anything that's a product based business is going to be very capital intensive. You're going to have to sink all this money into inventory and then as it sells through you're going to have to sink more money into inventory to buy more inventory uh, and it just becomes a big cash pit especially when you're dealing with a very tight budget like five thousand it's just not enough um, and there's obviously product-based businesses are just more capital intensive not only for inventory but you know for logistics and shipping and uh, storage and warehousing and all different types of things that that go along with 
uh, products. So, Here, let me ask you this, not to cut you off. I think it's yeah. interesting. You just came to me. You know, you, you're in real estate pretty heavily. And you always see these guys start real estate with no money down. Right. And we, I know it's wholesaling real estate. That's yeah, like, it's wholesaling. That, that's literally yeah. what it is, right? Right. right. But it's like, I do want to express this, even though you're starting with $5,000 in this series, I can't stress it enough. There's, it's really hard to make any, now I believe this. And I know there's some niche businesses that you can do this with. It's really hard to grow your capital, with that kind of money outside of the markets guaranteed hundred percent. Cause I, I've scoured a ton of things to do that with. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think that you, so going back to what I would do with 5,000. So I, I, Honestly, I'm not just saying this. If I were in that position, what I would do is start uh, a series of ebooks, right? That's so, a good idea. So I would leverage any personal knowledge or expertise that I have, and if I don't have any, I would I would leverage somebody else's. I'll give you an example. So my one of my good buddies from uh, USC, he was a C student in high school, right? B's B's and C's, very average. Um, went to Arizona State for a year. Cause he didn't get into USC. I mean, obviously with those grades and then he ended up transferring into SC just like I did after one year. And at SC, he graduated with a 3.9 GPA. So almost perfect. Yeah. Right. I mean, which is unheard of, like unheard of essentially top of the class. Uh, I think he got one a minus or something. One B plus. So it was almost perfect grades. And I asked him, I was like, how did you do that? And he had actually this, this, um, this plethora of information to share with me on how he did it. He wasn't any smarter than anybody else. In fact, I, I, I think he's just above average intelligence. I don't think he's, he's a genius. And he, he shared with me all the things that he did to, to do that. And it's, it's things that anybody could do if they implemented them. So, you know, an idea is to create an ebook. you know, you could call it like how to get straight A's at, at an ultra competitive four year university. And you could apply that information at USC, UCLA, or any other school. It doesn't have to be that school. Um, and the whole idea is, you know, let's just say, I'm, I'm just going to throw out numbers off the top of my head. Let's say you sell each copy for $100, and you can sell, I don't know, two, three, four hundred copies a year. You're making good money. And you have very, very low cost basis on that. If anything. If anything, because it's a PDF download. Right. So... So you're saying leverage knowledge as a way to make money in the right, right? Exactly. Which not, and again, not to revert, and technology, yeah, yeah, and not to revert yeah. this to land shark of the company, but and I, I really am not trying to do this, but that's what we do is very similar, right? Now, obviously, we have costs involved with offices, marketing, paying instructors, but we're taking our knowledge and we're giving that out. So that, I think that's a really good idea. I think a lot of people, I mean, honestly. I never thought about that. I mean, I, I well, think about it, right? I mean, so USC, you're spending 40, 50, 60,000 a year to go there, right? So a hundred paying a hundred dollars for a book on that's going to teach you inside information about how to work the system and how to get really good grades. What difference does it make? Yeah. What's a hundred dollars? I mean, that's, it's insurance for yourself for, you know, that's so it's uh, I think it's an easy sell and that's just one idea, right? So let's just say you had a straight A, not a straight A guide. And in my case, you know, I, I have relationships with how to sell wholesale to, to retailers. So you can make a whole, uh, an ebook on, on that. And if you made a series of books like that and each one is pulling in, say, let's just be conservative and say 20,000 bucks a year and you have five of them, uh, you're pulling in a hundred thousand dollars a year. Right. And I'm, I'm 
absolutely certain you could do that on a five thousand dollar budget. For sure, because I mean, and go back to it this way too: is to create an equally book cover. If you don't have to do it yourself, you go to Fiverr. It's five, ten, twenty right. bucks at tops, right? right? Find somebody who's insanely good. Um, building the website these days is so inexpensive. I mean, Shopify, Weebly, WordPress. Right. What's interesting though, and I'll talk about it. It's so much easier to get a business up and running. And it sounds like we're old. I mean, I don't think we're that old. But 10 years ago, I'm telling you. Oh, it was a different world. It was, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I had to like learn how to build. You remember Adobe Dreamweaver? Dreamweaver? Yeah. That's what I used. That was way before uh, WordPress was around, Wix. None of that stuff was there. Yeah, the craziest thing, I was like trying to use WordPress to build a printing site. And I remember how hard, I'm telling you, it was so difficult. And you remember the designers yeah. I went through to build yeah. a shopping cart? Literally today, if I had the same thing at Shopify or like Weebly, right. it would have been done. I could build it in two hours. Yep. So yeah, I like the I like that idea of the books. That's a really good idea. Going back to the, didn't you? Wasn't there a business that you worked with that was training incoming students that were going to, to like UCs to get into UC schools? Uh, I'm trying. To, oh yeah, yeah, I did. I did. That was that's that's another one. It wasn't your yeah. business, but it was like some. It was a, it was a class project, right? Yeah. So you want me to get into that? Yeah. So it was called College Zoom, and it was started by me and two of my classmates because we had it was a challenge in one of our classes, but it wasn't a five thousand dollar budget. It was a five hundred dollar budget. Started business on five hundred dollars, and we had one semester to gain traction, get customers, establish relationships with suppliers, and book revenue and actually fulfill services. So you're talking about a, a period of 10 weeks at the max with $500 to prove a concept. So we started this thing called college zoom, which was essentially reaching out to high school juniors and seniors who want to get into four year universities and creating customized college admissions counseling programs for them to get in. Yeah. So it's the same concept. It's a service, leveraging, business, knowledge. leveraging knowledge, service business, low overhead, low startup costs, and we made it happen. And yeah. that business is still around today. The one of the three partners that founded it um, is running that business full time, and that's his that's his sole source of income. So yeah, it's pretty cool. So I guess the point is with this is there's not really an excuse to not be able to hustle, and make money. I mean, there's always like there's a way to leverage knowledge. And I think that goes for anybody. I mean, if I was like a CPA, I, I'll just be pretty candid on it. I would start. I'd get as many CPA clients as I could and, and like try to create a, we're talking about process in the first podcast. I'd create a process where I could get them on a monthly fee. Right. And I'd have a business like that real quick. Another couple more ideas I've, I've been tossing around in my head that are just coming up right now randomly because we're talking about it. Uh, tutoring. You know, you could start a, a business that brokers one-on-one uh, -on -one tutoring services. Yeah. Right. Because a lot of tutors are very, very academically smart people. Right. They, very high scores on SATs and, and GMAT tests, uh, very good grades academically, but they're not business people. Right. Right. And they just want clients and they want work, but they don't want to run a business. Yeah. That's so, a good point. Right. Yeah. And they don't want to deal with the administrative. They don't want to deal with the headache. They don't want to deal with this, all of that. So if you could create a company that, that brokers those services and, and have even a small team of, of four to five or six tutors on rotation for a specific area, that's another way to make money. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a really good idea. I yeah. agree. Because so. going back to that concept is not everybody knows how to run a business or wants to run the business. Right. And obviously, like you know the hassles. I learned with the printing company in college. There's a lot that goes on to it. I don't think people, I mean, some people realize as they watch this, like, you know, when you have a job, it's 
people say it all the time, but when you, you leave a job, I think there's no worries. Like you can go off on the weekend when there is no really off time when you own a company, you're always kind of hustling. So I think that's, it's interesting to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good start at 5,000. Um, I'm trying to think where I would going back to the markets. I will say, I'll take it back from you and say, now what's the next thing I would do with this outside of internet business or what you said? I will say this legitimately and, it's, not, and it, it's bad because it seems like there's a conflict, but I really mean this. If I had 5,000, I would run it in the markets. I would trade options. No, seriously. You I put would. all five, you put all the money in. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. No question. I wouldn't touch. And I'll talk about this because people come to us all the time for the company. And they're like, Hey, I only have X amount of dollar. And I tell them like, yeah, it's going to be really hard to do this. Right. But then I see these guys and I'm not even going to talk about them. I was kind of, uh, there's just other edu- educators and I'll talk about them. They tell these guys, they're like, look, you can start with $2,000. You guys can start selling premium. So you know what I do? I, like I'll buy a call option on Google. Yeah. These guys will sell premium. So they sell the option and they take money in. But the max these people make was like $20 a trade or 50 or hundred bucks. Right. So it takes them forever to make this money on a small account. Right. Where legitimately you'd be better off going on Craigslist and getting free items and relisting them for $20 a piece. Well, speaking of which, that's another way you could do it. Craigslist. Yeah. 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 You could. You no, no question. Definitely do that. Yeah. There's just, I mean, there's a lot of ways to do it. I, I just, I, I really like the, the ability of the markets to be able to one, obviously I run the company seven employees now. If I didn't have that, the cool thing for me is, and you can appreciate this because you, you run businesses is I don't have to worry about taxes or right, right, overhead right. or waking up. I can literally do whatever I want. Right. And so that's why it's always hard for me. I'm looking at new ideas or businesses to want to get into it because I'm just like, man, that's, it sounds really bad to say this, but it's so much work for the money that's going to be pulled out of it. Right. Compared to a passive. Passive investment. Yeah. Of some sort. Um, just for fun, what do you think are the riskiest things you could do at 5,000? Which are obviously things you wouldn't want to do, but what do you think are like some the of the riskiest, riskiest things? things you could do? I mean, aside from going to Vegas and throwing it down on a hand of blackjack? Yeah. I mean, obviously you could do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty risky. I mean, it's a, I don't like it because it's a one-to-one bet. Right. Right? So you like I, the odds. No, no. I'm always trying to leverage things. Right. That's why I really like options. Right? I will say this. Let's talk. I, I, I hate talking about cryptocurrency. It's such it's because everybody and their mom are talking about it now. Yeah. But I think a lot of people, that's what they, they, they navigate towards today. Like I'll just I think that's real risky. I think um, trying to wholesale real estate with five thousand dollars is. Tough. I think some people do it. I'm not going to knock it because I know a few people do. But you and I both know guys in the real estate market do really, really well, and they like really don't like the wholesalers. Right. They like, despise them. So I think that's really hard. I think that's a myth. I think they're like, oh, no money down. And I do want to talk about that again. It's like anytime you guys see it, I don't know why people fall for it. Like, oh, it's no money down. You can start this. That's not true. Like, it's just the biggest load of bullshit that I've seen. Like, you need capital to make capital. Mm-hmm. There's no question. You know, so I don't know. I like the markets, right? I mean, I'll talk about it because I asked some of the students is, that's what I would do. And we used to do this thing. I don't know if you know about it. It actually started when I lived in LA. So in 2011, I started this thing where me and some like, trading buddies of the family office, we all put $2,000 in. And we're like, okay, you have 30 days, see how fast you can build this up. And whoever made the most in 30 days got to keep everybody else's account. 
you know, unless you blew your trading account, right? Wow. So we did that. That's something one of our instructors did, Ryan Sizemore. And I promise you this is not a pitch, but I'm going back to a product kind of business or what I would do is Ryan took $2,100, I think it was, um, in 2016 and took it to $33,000 in 12 months. Wow. Which is pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Wow. But obviously that's why I like options, right? That's why I think small amounts. It's a vehicle to do that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You'd have a very, very difficult time to do that. Yeah. In a traditional business. So for sure. I mean, look, the other thing too is, and I'm not knocking traditional business. It's just, you know, if we started an ebook company, we have to build the SEO. Oh yeah. I mean, look, there's a lot of marketing and knowledge and expertise that would, that would have to go behind that. But, um, but purely from a capital point of view, you could start an ebook company on one tenth of that budget. I mean, I think $500 would be, would be plenty. Yeah. Honestly. But yeah, you're right. It would take, it would take a plethora of, of knowledge. Um, Mark, internet marketing related knowledge to really get that going. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm trying to think what, what other ideas, so that's where I would kind of start with I had five grand. That's what I would do. Something of an online service-based business where I would trade the markets. There's no question. But I do want to mention this, like going back to trading, because I think a lot of people are tuning in to listen to trading too. I will tell people this. Because we have people ask, I had one gentleman call in, which is always interesting to hear this. And I'm not knocking him, but. He's like, you know, we watched one of your videos, Ryan's video that he made that $33,000. He's like, how much is that course? And I told him, he's like, oh, it's a little bit more than I was looking to spend. And I go, what were you looking to spend? He's like, oh, like $500. And I was like, what? And I go, wait a minute. I go, you want to start investing and you think you're going to make $30,000 or $40,000 or $50,000 a yeah. year? You want to put $500 in? Yeah. I go, dude, that's awesome. Like, give me some of what you're taking, man. What did he say? I, I didn't tell them that, but I just thought that That's was ridiculous. interesting, right? Yeah. So I think a lot of people, and I'm like talking to everybody listening to this too, is you have to realize in this industry, in, in trading, right, in any other industry, if you want to be a real estate agent, what's it cost a thousand bucks to get your license? Then you got to spend marketing money. Mm-hmm. Then you've got to like take clients out to like schmooze them. Like there's so much, like the cost to create a business, like, and to make significant is so much money. Oh yeah. And then like people like scoff at like, Oh, the price is too much. Right. Compared to what? Right. And going back to what you said, the one that touched on this was, we well, you know when you were at USC, the gentleman that your friend who got 3.9. Yep. You're like, look, I'd pay the hundred bucks for sure. Oh, there's no question. I mean, if the, if I had come across that product when I was there, I would have paid it without blinking an eye. No question. Yeah. Because even if I didn't get straight A's by, by reading the book, there's definitely a gem of knowledge in there somewhere that I could have applied that I didn't know. Right. Um, and that's how I see it. I mean, even if I go on Amazon and I buy a book for $15, you know, all I need to do is extract one little gem from that book to make it pay off. Um, that being said, let me ask you this, not to cut you off, but yeah. how many books a month do you read now? So I probably average once, one a month. Yeah. One business book a month. I see. I, I do too. I'll average like one on Amazon because it, I always get, yeah. I always get some idea or inspiration from reading other entrepreneurs, other ideas. And Absolutely. It, I never read. So I think people listening to this, so you guys know this, I never, I have not read a single trading book in probably 10 years. I think I read market wizards. I have not even picked up a book on technical analysis. That's a waste of time. I think you find out more about business and life when reading entrepreneurs 
stay away from the trading books. Really? Yeah, man. It's That's just, interesting. Yeah, Why do you say that? Because all these guys talk about it as like technical analysis, or like it's like a war story how they like made a million dollars and lost a million dollars, or it's like setups. It's like the same nonsense, and I really mean that. But every like, yeah, it's nonsense. I, I just find more information and inspiration from reading other entrepreneurs. Interesting. It's not from like the books, trade. Like that's I, I can't stress that enough. But you know all the you know all the technicalities of trading anyway. So for you to read a book like that. You know. Yeah, but even going back to, I will say this, so it's like, you know, here's a funny story. So you remember that book that in ASU that I got, uh, Market yeah. of Safety? Yeah. So Is that the first book you read or something? Yeah, first book I read on trading. This is a $1,500 trading book. I got it from Arizona State University. Um, I won't tell you the full story, but I ended up getting the book from them. How'd you get the book? No, I'm just kidding. I had he, doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't want to talk about it. No, so I, I, had, I had them transfer it from Ohio State University to ASU. So nobody knew what this book was. There's probably like a thousand copies in circulation. And I'll, I'm going to tell you guys this. I didn't know about investing, but I knew this guy was a billion dollar hedge fund manager. And I go, look, if I want to learn to do this, I want to learn how do these guys make a billion dollars? And so I read the book when I figured out he did like distressed debt investing. And like uh, he did like a lot of bonds and a lot of not traditional retail investing. It was such like high finance and he wrote this book and it always throws me off. Like, why would you write a book like that? How many people in the world do you think have a, the capital to run those strategies? The answer is a lot. Don't and B, and maybe that's why he pulled it off the shelves. B who's interested in learning about that. Was that book commercially successful? I, I don't know, but he took it off the shelves. for sure. Did so, you get, did you extract a lot of knowledge from it? No, really? No. Cause I mean, all he talked about was, Okay, the biggest piece of knowledge, and literally the book's called Margin of Safety, was whenever you get into an investment, there needs to literally be a margin of safety. It's like you want to buy something at a price where even if it goes against you, you're not going to get hurt too much. Right. But yeah, I didn't expect much. So going back to, yeah, I didn't read trading books. Interesting. You know, I just learned by talking to those guys at Schwab and then working on the desks and learning that way. But yeah, never a trading book. And that, that's the biggest myth of this industry is like a lot of these and a lot of these people that listen to like blogs or posts on this and Twitter and whatever, they'll never make money trading just because they just don't face the facts. Like you're not going to learn from a trading book. It, it's impossible. It's not, not happening. You need to have, I think more people, we talked about in the first podcast, more people that have a business sense. Like they should take a business one-on-one class before they even consider like technical analysis to run a business first. You know, because I mean, that, that's interesting too. going back to businesses. A lot of our students create creating entities like one of our students in Canada. Ophiri is awesome. One of my one of the, the, the first students to come through this, he is a trading entity and he pays himself a salary. So through his gains, I don't know how he does it to talk to him, but he ends up not paying as much. So there's like intricacies that go into trading people that actually do this at a real level and then people that just do this because they're degenerate gamblers. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, legitimate. Like, you have a, and he's a businessman. Like, you, he's like us. He has like a lot of other things going too. Yeah. So you, you see that. And we were talking about in the first episode is like, there's, there's a, there's a personality trait that runs through people that tend Absolutely. to. Like, it's the same. It runs through yes, everybody. It runs through everybody. Yeah. yeah. You notice. Yeah. And I think, you know, when Brian will talk about his, his, how he did it, like, I see with him, you know, because he owned businesses before. Trading. He has it. There's no question. Yeah. Yeah. Because he ran, he ran. I think he, he had a driving school. Huh. 
before line check. Yeah, which is awesome. And, and he had a car deal. He does he's done a few things. He's a smart guy. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, that's what I would do. I mean, that's why I would put five grand. Um, I'm trying to think what else I can expand on in this particular idea on where to start with $5,000 to invest. Well, I mean, just the only thing I could expand on is just keep it simple. The, the old acronym KISS, K-I-S-S, keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. Right, just keep it simple. I think people overcomplicate it and they, they're trying to think of, they try to make this crazy extrapolated business that just is unnecessary. The, the, some of the most successful businesses are simple businesses. So Super simple. Just keep it simple. You know, for in your case, it was printing. Uh, some of the ideas I've thrown out there today are, you know, college tutoring, brokerage, um, ebooks, uh, stuff like that. What I would say too is to help a lot of entrepreneurs, even for the trading side, is instead of trying to say, "Look, I'm going out to make a million dollars or half a million, try to make two thousand dollars a month. Yes, yeah. like legitimately, seriously. like see if you can just seriously make two thousand dollars a month mm-hmm. for three or four or five or six months consistently, and then worry about making a hundred thousand. Then when you make a hundred thousand, make a quarter million, and then half a million. Like you have to think in those terms. I think especially too many millennials today. Right. Like I want to make, I'm going to make a million dollars. Yeah, you can't. Like, no, you're not. You can't run until you crawl. You yeah, know? you're like you're so not. You gotta, you, if you can't make 150 grand first, right? Like what in your right mind? You think you're going to make 20 million or 50 million first? Yeah, like you know, it's so true. You, you see that all steps. You see that all the time, all the time. And the other thing you see all the time is people with grandiose goals like that, but who aren't truly, truly willing to put in the work. Um, and it's it's pretty sad. Because that's the majority of people that they, everybody wants to be rich. Everybody wants a lot of money, but they're not willing to pay the price, you know, and there's a, there's a big price to be paid for it. No. So let me, let me add on that. So this is interesting. You say that because yeah. when I talk with people that want to trade the markets, like we get people that come in and I always ask them, I go, you know, what's your experience? And some people are like really nervous about like, Oh, I've done this before. Like you trade like, yeah, I trade a lot. And I always want to be like, well, why are you here? Like what, 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 if you're good and you're just, why are you coming? You know? So the thing is, I think when people talk like that, I don't think they've ever done it. Well, yeah, true. They so have they're it. coming from a position of just ignorance. Ignorance. Yeah. yeah. So they, they think they're like, yeah, I want to make $15 million here. But then you realize you're like, man, like how? Like making a million dollars is a hard, making half a million dollars is, is pretty difficult. You know? Right. So you want to make 15 or 20 million. So tell me how, how you get, get to those numbers. But I think starting small, and I'm not like trying to knock that. I think you have to dream or think differently. You can't limit your thinking, but I think you've got to stair step it in a way where your goals are defined. Like we talked about in the first episode yeah. is you, know, you can't go from zero to a million. You've got to go from zero to right. 10 to 20 to 100 to 150. And before you know it, 12 months, 24, 36 it, it, you, you'll see where you one do. of the things I try to do, Dan, is I try to make goals that are a little bit of a stretch, but still achievable. So I don't want to make the goal so big that I'm going to miss. Cause if I miss, then I'm going to get discouraged and I'm not going to want to do it anymore, but I don't want to make it too easy that I, that I hit it and then I'm not encouraged to keep going. So I try to make it, I try to make it a stretch goal, a little bit of a stretch, but that's also in the realm of possibilities to hit. So let me ask you so, this. So with Jacob Bromwell in particular, a company, do you change your yearly revenue targets? I set new goals. I said literally every year I have a, I have a, a worksheet and I update goals and it's funny cause I save them all. So I have, I name it by the year 2011, 2012. 
I started this in 2011. I have goals going back to 2000 to 2011. And every time I look, I look back at the goals. It's crazy to see what the goals are today versus what they were last last year and the year before and the year before. And they just keep getting bigger and bigger. Uh, you don't realize it because it's it's over time. It's a gradual progression, right? Yeah. I mean, if you look at yourself, I mean, how old are you today? 32. 32. So are you the same person at 32 as you were when you were 22? No, not, not, not even, not even close. I mean, are you that, what about the person at 12? Not even, there's no, no, there's, there's, no comparison. there's no comparison, yeah, right? Zero. So obviously that, that, that progression happens slowly over time. So you don't notice it, but if you go back 10 or 20 years, it's pretty insane. So it's kind of the same thing with goals. Like every year you just constantly improve, constantly improve, constantly improve. And you keep pushing yourself first. You make a hundred thousand, you make 200,000, you make 250,000, you make 300,000, keep pushing. Yeah. So, no, I mean, so I kind of do the same thing with trading. I trade by the quarter. I think this will help people listen for trading aspect is what I try and do is put together quarterly profit and loss targets. Right. Even with, with the education company, you know, my CFO sends me, I get an update every month of our performance PL, the company's PL. And what it does for me, I can make adjustments and I can see. Right. But I think this is real important. I'll discuss this in general. When you're running a business, regardless of what it is, and this goes for a trade, I'm legitimately, I mean this. If anybody takes anything away from this podcast, you have to define a business plan. Like if you don't have a 12, 24 month revenue target, your cost defined. And I mean, legitimately, like it took us, we recreated Landshark this year with the new entity and everything. It took us four months, I swear to you, with the CFO going back and forth, putting together the revenue. I remember project. that. Literally, how you were you were working it every day. Even in Vancouver. Even in Vancouver vacation. at the cigar shops we used to go to, I mean, all the time. Yeah. You were always working. We were readjusting numbers, trying to yeah. be realistic. You know, what if, if what about this model? How does right. this model work on revenue numbers? How does this model going back and forth? And, and it may seem like, oh, well, why would you do that? I'm telling you guys, the, if you get really into this, you'll hit those numbers. And it's crazy to see the work you put in just starts to come to fruition. It's the same with trading. If you have a quarterly profit target, mentally, you prepare yourself to make that money. Let's say, let's say every quarter you want to make 100000 Mentally, somehow, in trading, you can get there because like, you're not settling for less. So you know that. And you're, so when you hit a certain number, let's say you hit 80,000 in the second month, you start to slow down so you don't lose it, right? I can't stress that enough is you yeah, have to plan. And a, lot of, and a lot of students don't. Yeah, and a lot of business, business owners, owners don't. don't. They don't. Literally, they don't. don't. Literally, they have no roadmap. No, nothing. I mean, they're just, they're flying a plane uh, without instruments. Right. They don't really know. They don't know how high, how low, how fast. They don't know anything. And that plane, I mean, they for all they know, they could be five feet away from hitting the ground. How many small businesses so, do you think? I'm sure there's data on this. And a lot of that data, I don't know that I believe. How many out of eight out of, or out of 10 small businesses, how many do you think fail? So I think the statistic is 90% of small businesses fail within the first four years that they're started. And, you know, the bad news is, you know, if you've made it to four years and you're still in business, you know, don't don't pat yourself on the back, on the, on the back just yet because I think... 90% of those businesses fail in the following four years. So if it's not the four, the first four years that kill you, it's the second four years that almost certainly will kill you. Yeah. And I think the reason, I mean, there's a lot of contributing factors to that, but I think one of them is uh, like everything we're talking about. Yeah, no, for sure. I think 
the, we talked about it the first episode with the planning thing. And I'm going to go back to it because for me, and I'll tell you, if you're a small business owner, or even if you're a trader listening to this, do yourself a favor. You don't have to hire a CFO. Our guy's pretty crazy. He went to like Duke and all this, but he did some other stuff for the partners on this, but get a, get a CPA or get somebody to handle your books and pay him $200 a month. Don't do them yourself. Worst mistake you can make. Seriously. Get, get them trying to, do, to cut that corner. Yeah. Have them do your books because this is what will happen. If you lose money in the first month, you're forced to look at it yep. and you're like, crap, I messed up. I lost money. You have to fix it. Right. It's the same people. When they, I see it all the time with people investing. You know, Stephen was a advisor at Merrill Lynch. People refuse to look at their investment portfolios to end of the year. And they're like, oh, maybe now it's time to act. You have to force yourself to look at the good and bad so you can actually take these steps to correct it before it gets worse. Yeah. So hire a CPA. Clean books, accurate books. Yeah. Uh, pay whatever it costs. It's really not that much. No, I think I pay $400. What do you Yeah, pay I pay about 500 Yeah, 400 bucks. But it's... It's just a necessary cost. I tried to cut a corner the first two years I did Bromwell with um, a bookkeeper that was cheaper than what the going rate was. And I paid the price because I had two years worth of financial statements that were a total mess. Uh, Nothing was accurate. Uh, You couldn't extrapolate any information from the reports. And it was just, it was awful. Yeah. So cheap is expensive is a term. Yeah. Cheap is very expensive. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, that's what I would say as far as is on a startup or any business, right? And a lot of people that you have to have financial projections, especially for trading. If you don't put those together and I'll just say this from trading perspective, don't do it on a daily basis. Don't come into the markets and say, I have to make $200 a day. I think that's pointless. You, you'll never survive. You have to rise above that. You have to look at managing a portfolio on a weekly and monthly basis. So if you take one trade for the week, and you make four grand, who cares about the daily profit target? Right? I really want to stress that to a lot of you listening to the podcast that are new or you're trying to figure out trading. Literally 12 years I've been doing this. I can't stress this enough. And I'll go back and talk about it. Is, you, know, you see these guys on YouTube. I was just looking before this. We were going to make an episode on the YouTube gurus of business and yeah. trading. You know, We probably will. We should. But you see these guys and they're like, oh, I made $200 today. Right? You guys will fail in business or trading, if you don't have projections and you don't stick to those projections, you have to have a business plan. And literally you have to, you have to, to. if I didn't have it with land shark, I'm telling you, I know what we have to make for this year. And then year two already now. Right. Exactly. And uh, yeah, Brown was the same way. And it's like, you don't necessarily, you're not guaranteed to, to hit those projections, but at least you have an idea of where you're heading. It's like navigation. Yeah. So, you know, there, there could be roadblocks along the way. There could be detours, but at least you have an idea as opposed to not having an idea. Right. So. And you can adjust. Yeah. Do you use a model where you have good, better, best? Right. Yeah. Same. Yeah. yeah we yeah. do the same thing. Exactly. So you have a, yeah, the good, better, best. We hit it here, here, yeah. here. So you know what you can make. Right. Right. Yeah. Same thing. So, yeah. So the episode today has been about how to make, how to start a business with $5,000. We've come up with a few ideas in the episode. Hopefully it made sense. Um, with this again, if I went back to this and talked about it for me, for sure, it would be trading. Obviously I have the experience doing this. I'm just telling you if you're listening to this podcast and you're trying to figure out how to create income from, from markets or additional streams of income, I, I'm really trying to say without the conflict of interest, because obviously land sharks, my company, but the benefits of being able to trade, not have employees, being able to write off 
you know, the cost of tuition, home office, um, not having to worry about SEO or websites or products or shipping. I'm telling you, I've done this. It's one of the nicest feelings of freedom I can express to you because you have to deal with nobody but yourself. Right. I love it. I love it. And I can totally relate to that because even though we're in different businesses and different industries, we, we share a similar lifestyle, right? We work similar. Pretty close. Yeah. Very similar. It's fascinating how similar it is. Uh, not to use your word because it's like your your go to word. But, Still, my fascinating. Yeah, but it really is like, like we uh, we both kind of share that freedom. So yeah, no, I think it's important, right? Obviously, don't get tied down. Running a business is taking a lot of your time. Yeah, right. Leverage your knowledge. I think that's a good takeaway from today. Um, the markets are an interesting point too. Keep business ideas simple. Simple, simple, simple. That's all I can say. Yeah. Right. I think uh, one of my professors told me once, it's like, you know, some things just stick with you. And that one, he said something. He said, uh, great businesses fail. Good businesses succeed. Right. And I, what I always like kind of inferred what he meant by that is that like great businesses, you know, you think of something that's just so disruptive and so groundbreaking. Uh, the chances of success are so low for things like that. But a good business, you know, a business that brokers tutoring services or a business that sells ebooks or, in my case, sells kitchenware products. It's just a normal good business. Yeah, nothing like you know, nothing too sexy. It's simple. It's not too sexy. It's straightforward. It's to the point, and it succeeds. Yeah. Right? You yeah. don't have to change the world. That's a good point because a lot of people, at least especially where you went to school. Oh, my God. Everybody was like, oh, like I'm going to create this. And, I, like, it's so- and, I, and I, I fell victim to that, too, just being in that environment for four years. I graduated with this grandiose notion of I was going to be, you know, the next uh, Elon Musk or the next, you know, crazy person out there to just radically change and disrupt things. Um, and I'm not, I'm not knocking on people that, that are able to do that, but I don't think it's necessary. No, it's really not. I think that's more ego. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, for sure. It's like when we get traders, they're like, oh, well, you know, I don't know how to do this. I'm not going to take a course. I don't want to, it's an ego thing. It's like, why do you, I don't. I don't want to be the best hedge fund. I'll just tell you, I mean, I don't even know that if somebody offered me the chance to do it again, to like run a lot of them, I don't even know that I'd do it. Really? Yeah. I don't know that I would sacrifice lifestyle. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, so that, that's kind of it. I think that's the point. So I think hopefully you guys enjoy the, the podcast episode number two. Um, we kind of got hopefully into some ideas on this and, and discussed it. Hopefully you learned something from it. Um, we'll be back with podcast episode number three here shortly make sure to subscribe to our youtube channel as well we have a soundcloud and an itunes available for you if you guys want to see any other guests on the show if you want to have us bring on a guest you want to talk about a certain subject you can email us and go to longshortradio.com as a contact form or send us an email either the instagram facebook there's tons of ways to contact us so yeah that's going to do it for us anything else no i'm looking forward to the next episode do we know what we're going to be talking about not, no, not to. No, I mean we had an idea. We'll probably we'll, we'll make it a surprise. I have an idea. Sounds good. We'll get some more feedback from students in the land shark community as well to talk about it. So, yeah, cool. Well, yeah, thanks for tuning in, everybody. It's episode two. Don't forget head over to the website if you're interested. We have a sixty day guest pass. The Long Short Podcast is sponsored by Land Shark Education. We teach people to trade and manage money in the markets. You can get a sixty day guest pass by heading over to landsharkeducation.com right now. And then we'll see you guys back for episode three on the Long Short Show.
Thanks for listening to The Long Short Show. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. And remember, you can get a 60-day guest pass by visiting LandsharkEducation.com.